Hey, everybody. Welcome to season two of The Brown Print with me, Carrie Champion. And that's right. I said season two because this time around, there's a twist on The Brown Print. Each week, I'll bring you conversations with some really accomplished people, folks you've seen, maybe some folks you've never heard of before, but they always have one thing in common, how they were able to come back. I want you to be inspired. I want you to see people who are just like me and you, and they figured it out. I hope they act as a guide. I hope you feel as if you're being mentored. I hope, in fact, that you feel like you're getting direction. Welcome to season two of The Brown Print, The Comeback. Like I, I knew the consequences behind it. I knew it was a, a, a point in time where this could all blow up. You know, I had every opportunity to walk away from it or correct it at certain points in, in, in my life and, and just never did. But when I finally did, it was just too late. You know, when I when I felt like, when I looked at the bigger picture, it was like, man, this don't mean nothing. You know, responsibility is everything. So I had to hold myself accountable and, you know, just affecting so many people around me. You know what I'm saying? That, that hurt me more than anything. Revolutionary, electrifying, polarizing are all the words that one could use to describe Michael Vick. On the football field, his skills were undeniable. He played in the NFL for 13 seasons and is regarded as transforming the quarterback position. He was the first NFL quarterback to rush for a thousand yards in a single season, and he still holds that record to this day. He also made history as the first black quarterback to be drafted number one overall in the 2001 draft. But much of those accomplishments were overshadowed when he was sentenced to federal prison for being involved in dogfighting. Today, Michael Vick has proved he's a changed man and has overcome much of that stigma from his past with humility, public service, and an incredible work ethic. I sat with Michael Vick to learn more about his career, his struggles, and how he's been able to change the game, if you will, after his fall from grace. Please join me as we welcome Michael Vick to The Brown Print. Mike, how are you? First of all, nice to meet you in person. I followed your career for a long time, and so I've always been a fan, and um, and I love how I, I'm going to get into all of this, how you've impacted the NFL in terms of who you are. Um if, in fact, you had to pick the greatest quarterback of all time, including yourself, who would it be? That, that's a good question. The greatest quarterback of all time, including myself? Yeah, like you can don't exclude yourself, like include yourself. Uh, I mean, I, I feel like I'm, I'm the greatest of all time. Like when I line up behind the center, if, from the outside looking in, if, if I looked at myself, I'd be like, oh, it's the greatest of all time. Now, do everything else, you know, that comes along with it, do it match up? You know, that's probably not ideal. But, you know, other than myself, you got to go with the GOAT, Tom Brady. Okay. So I and I was going to have that conversation with you, Michael Vick on the Brown Parent comeback season. I had a chance to be Tom Brady. You've met him before. And in my mind, I was like, no matter what is going on, you got to respect this man, right? Yeah, got to respect them, respect his mind, respect his play. I respect Tom just as as a as a man. Tom can fit in in any crowd. He can hang with anybody, <laughs> and, and that's that's a cool thing. So you know, I see where you know where his grit comes from. I see why, where his greatness comes from because he's so relatable, like on all levels. On all levels, I do. I, I get that, and I respect that. Um, that word is what I want to focus on: is relatable. For the culture, you were relatable. For the culture, you changed the game of how we looked, how we how we are, and were. You know, when people have 
street cred and they can't lose it. Like we ride or die. You know what I mean? The, the folks will ride or die. And you felt that, did you not? Yeah, I felt that. I, I always felt that aura. Uh, even when I was in Atlanta, the people of Atlanta, like even though I was from, you know, the South of Virginia, which is a little more Northern than, 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 uh, than Georgia, you know, when I came down there, it was like, you know, they accepted the culture that I brought, even from Virginia. And I watched guys like Alan Iverson have that aura, create that culture, defining um, elements around him that, that made him who he was. And, and you know, I kind of took that on. Like, I looked at him as a, you know, as a role model, especially, you know, from his play on the field, I mean, on, on the basketball court, and then his heart. And then just how he moved as a person. Like, I just, everybody thought Allen was the coolest dude ever. He still is. Now, I'm glad I was able to bring that to the football side of it. You know, all in the South, North, on the East Coast, West Coast. It was, it was crazy. It would be, I would be remiss if I did not mention you and AI in the same breath of what you all were able to do. So you're telling me AI influenced you to be you. I mean, I, I'm going to say this. We come from the same neighborhood. Right. Like we come from, he's five years older. He lived um, probably six blocks over. So we never bumped there. We never ran into each other. So culturally, we adapted to our environments and what we seen ourselves becoming, you know, whether on a collegiate level, professional level, you know, it just had swag all in it. And he was just the first to do it. Like the first time I seen a guy, he had two gold Rolex watches on. <laughs> like I just thought that was the cool. It was very different, but it was like, you know, bro Husky doing this thing. And I, like I was in college, he made me dream. He made me want more. He made me go work harder yeah. to get to where I wanted to be. So it wasn't like I seen him and said, like, you know, of course, you know, material things, you, you you take that on and that's what you want. But whatever drives you, whatever motivates you, like, yeah, Bentley watches and chains, you're like, yo, that's our life. That's the culture. What impact did you have on the NFL? Uh, I definitely had a cultural impact. Um, but I think in terms of just revolutionizing the position, uh, the way the game was played, um, the way the game is played now, the coaches who look at the game and say, um, okay, now I got two options. I can go with a traditional, you know, type quarterback, you know, pocket pass a quarterback and have success, or I can go with a dual threat quarterback and have success. And so now you got multiple ways of building your offenses. And I feel like certainly it was guys that paved the way before me, Randall Cunningham and, um, you know, Dante Cole, Pepper Donovan McNabb, mm -hmm. you know, those guys opened up the doors. Um, Steve McNabb, and then I was able to kind of walk through it and, and just take it to another level. You look at the recipe and, and how everything unfolds when we play, but when I play and it works, you know, so now you, you match smart coaches up with the talent yeah. and you got a dual threat system, a dual threat quarterback. You were appointment viewing. When you were on, like, could nobody get TVs glued? Couldn't do anything but watch Michael Vick. Like the feeling of that, um, probably has to be um, addictive. A lot of pressure on me. Oh, was it? Oh. People don't know what I went through as I grew, grew successful in the National Football League from year two when I went to Green Bay and beat the Packers, uh, the first team to ever go and beat Green Bay in Green Bay. Mm. From there, the pressure just continued to mount. Um, but look, as professional athletes, we thrive off the pressure. You just like bring it on, but with all that success comes 
you know, you, you want a bigger contract. You want extended deal. You want to make the playoffs. You want to please the fans. You don't, you want the media to talk good about you. So mm-hmm. every day is just, you know, high pressure situations that you got to find a way to get through. And I think just being a part of that and having to hold up to that mm-hmm. just hard me as a, as a man and as a, as a person. Billie Jean King, my, my, my dear friend, the legend in tennis says pressure is a privilege, right? What would we be without pressure? We'd be what nothing. Would we, what would we be without pressure? Even just in our interview. Right. We put pressure on ourselves to do it right. Yes, get it right. I, and I say this because I, with all due respect, because you know that you went through arguably what I see as something that was completely unfair um, in terms of, and that is my opinion, and I believe that in terms of the way you were vilified, I felt like it was too much. I felt like it was clear that it was because you were a black man and you looked away and it pissed me off if I'm being honest with you. Um, And I know you've heard that before. You know what you did wrong, but I'm all like, man, is that what we doing? Talk to me about how you've been able to really, really turn things around. I know you were, you have regrets and I know that you are sorry and you've paid, you gave a pound and more of flesh and here you are building it back up. Walk me through that process the way in which you want to. Yeah, I always just look at it like, man, I just wish I had a different mindset in life at the time. And yeah. Young and, you know, I have millions of dollars. So I will say this, you know, at that time in my life, you know, before I decided that I was going to try to turn a corner and get away from what sent me to prison for years, you know, I, I was, you know, kind of looking at my life in a different sense. and. You know, how can I get away from the things that I'm involved in? But how can I still help people who, you know, I feel like right now they don't have the guidance or the wherewithal to, you know, really be successful. And I didn't, the only success I knew was football. Now I didn't have, you know, a business acumen at the time when I had a lot of business relationships. So we was kind of at a point where, you know, it, it was about, you know, it was about that. The little that we knew, we was fresh out of the, fresh out of the hood straight fresh out of poverty stricken areas um where we grew up and now we you know we got all this money we trying to learn how to live life and do things right and i wish i'd have had mentors in my life i would and i did but it's, you got to use that correctly you got to use that correctly like they they're around high school coaches i mean hell my nfl coaches my you know offensive coordinators like doors are open Arthur blank and I just wish I was a little more mature to, you know, be able to bring those people in and, and uh, you know, create that attachment that they wanted more than me. You know, the only thing I wanted to do was yeah. be around my friends and be around the people that I love. You know, I was I, I shelled myself away from them. Just, it hurt me in a major way. But, uh, you know, so those that's probably the biggest regret is that I couldn't change my mindset to where I'm at now and. Um, but that's life, man. I never complain about it. Yes, I can be bitter about it personally. And, and so now moving forward, I just want to fix it and 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 continue to you know help young kids understand that, look, man, you might make mistakes and you, you can't be, become a product of your environment, but make your environment a product of you. I see so many, especially now, so many young Black men who are taking who, whatever platform they have, especially in sports, and they're building up. You look at LeBron and what he's doing with his crew. Everybody has a crew, and they and and if you if you do it right, if you're put in the, in the right position, you can change the game. But sometimes, when you're the first and you're one of the first, sometimes 
you're a lesson for people. And you've been, you just said you have your regrets. You spend 21 months in prison. You come back, you get released officially by the Falcons and you get picked up by the Eagles. Did that tell you at that moment, that's how, how heavy people mess with you? I mean, what did that tell you about what people thought of you? It, it told me a lot. Um, just as the scenarios leading up to my release, uh, you know, to- Co- Coach Dungey came out. Mm. Um, you know, as soon as I got home, Arthur Blank flew in and brought me food from my favorite restaurant. I went and met with Roger Goodell, and Roger was like, his exact words, he came in, closed the door, slammed the door shut. He said, listen, we ain't here to talk about the past. We're here to talk about moving forward. Right then, that changed my life. Like, that changed my whole mindset. You know, I spent 21 months thinking about what I'm going to say to Roger. Last time we, we talked, I lied to him about everything. How he going to approach this? First thing you do, come in, slam the door and say, well, it ain't about the past. It's about moving forward. And that, that said a lot about him. And right then and there, just my respect level just... It was it was heightened for him at, at, on all levels. You made me kind of like him just now for five seconds. That's real. Like I respect that. People look at Roger Goodell for how he, you know, conduct himself and you know, in terms of rules and regulations with the league. And man got a job to do. But when if you get to know him on a personal level, like hmm. he's in your corner. Like he's a very very sharp individual who, who gets it. I just say that. Who was the coach when you came back for the Eagles? Uh, Andy Reid. And then how long was he there? Because you, um, you had a minute with Chip, right? Yeah, man. Andy spent four years together, and then I did one year with Chip. Okay, okay. I was a little over by then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I remember Chip had you out there running and carrying on, and you was like, you, but you, you it, it looked good. It looked good the first, listen, I'm not mad. I was like, do it. Do what you got to do. I got a lot of respect with Chip Kelly. The only reason I couldn't take it there, I, I really didn't level up in that offense, is because I pulled my hamstring. Like, I tore it off the I remember the worst one I ever had. So, you know, shout out to Nick Foles, my man. He went in and he, he took care of business that year, took him to the playoffs. And, you know, I went to New York the next year. Everyone has said winning solves all in, in all in all instances. And I think of very famous athletes. You are not alone who've had very public battles with the legal system, whether you go to jail or you get accused of something. It is front page news and it's hard to shake it off. And only time will tell your story. Time has told your story thus far. What has it been about you that has allowed people and others who probably didn't want to forgive you, forgive you and embrace you for the man you are in spite of whatever happened? Yeah, well, I think uh, just from the, the humanity side, I, people are very forgiving. Mm. I, I mean, and, and like just throughout the last, 15 years, I, so many people came into my life that, that was forgiven. Now you have a small percentage of people who they never going to change. And, and, you know, what would the world be without people like that? You know, those are the type of people that continue to motivate me. So if we can go from 90% to 92% of the people being forgiven mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, how they look at me, then I'm appreciative of that. I just got to keep working. And, and, it's, it's not clean slate for me. I, I understand. I, I screwed it up. You know, sure. um, I regret it. You know, I regret it. And but I can't but Mike, go back in time. You on days. TV now. You giving me you giving me updates in the morning. You you telling me what to do, like who we like and who we don't I like. Too. Like I love it. I love it too. You flipped the game and you don't have to you flipped the game. Your comeback should be a blueprint or what as we call here, a brown print 
of what to do. So did you plan this? You just, oh, p- good people disliked you. I mean, I, I, you know, I had a relationship with Chris Carter, receiver, the great, shout out to Chris, all, you know, NFL all time, great. He connected me with some people over at Fox to go out and just kind of do a car wash. And I went and I met everybody. And, you know, it was just a personal thing. And we all, I mean, we all liked each other. We all got along and, you know, we understand the value. We understood the value of hard work and what this opportunity meant. And this was, this was four years ago, five years ago. And here we are, you know, five years later, you know, strong relationships, strong friendships and, and just um, an opportunity for me to, you know, talk football, which is my passion, my love. People, my household, they'll tell you how much I love the game and how much I watch it. And I don't, I don't miss it if, if it's on. So yeah, I put my all into it and I, and I respect those relationships and definitely mm-hmm. respect Fox giving me the opportunity and the people over there is, is really family. So that is the question. Why you? Why you get the why do you get the opportunity? Why do you get the second chance and not others? You know, a lot of people got to know me. And they got to know me on a more personal level. So why some people write you off, no, I, I can't, I won't go down that road with him. Uh it's been people who's got to know me personally. And that takes time. You know, it, it takes time. Relationships take time in order to prosper, in order to get the most out of it. Um, on, on, on both sides, you know, so I, I just appreciated, you know, the togetherness. I appreciated the grind and the journey that it took to get to even walking in the doors at Fox. And then once I got that opportunity, I was like, you know, you look around and you, you see all these networks, but it's only like four or five seats per network, mm-hmm. you know, and um, for them to take that step with me, it just said a lot about them. And, you know, I don't say this in, in, in a, a way where I don't, I don't want to give myself credit, but it said a lot about me too, because I had to want it. It wasn't an easy feat. It wasn't easy in the beginning. I was used to having mics in my face, mm-hmm. not having to entertain people. It was my personal entertainment. And, and, they, and they helped me. Mm-hmm. They helped me up. Yeah, so TV game is crazy. And when you when you leave the locker room and you don't have the etiquette to transition into a newsroom, as I say, people don't last. And you've been able to do that. There is a there's no training either. Right. They like sit down and figure it out. Literally sit down and figure it out. You can talk football, but this other TV stuff, you're going to have to learn that on your own. And you got to work at it. You got to work hard at it. I never thought like when I was a kid. My high school coach used to always say, if you're going to do interviews, if you're going to be getting interviewed in college, go in the, in the mirror in the bathroom, close the door and talk to yourself in the mirror. Talk <laughs> football. He, he was like, one day you eventually you'll be a broadcaster. I was like, coach, that'll be the ideal right. lifestyle, ideal dream come true. Make it to the NFL, play 15 years and then go right into broadcasting. And he predicted that that's my life. And I, I can't be nothing but grateful. I can't be nothing but grateful. So talk to me about your off the field, off the TV work. What are you doing uh, and what have you done uh, to give back in your community? Because I know you've been you've been very, very active and present. I've been doing a lot of work with the Boys and Girls Club. Uh, you know, two years ago, we uh, we renovated a computer lab and just made it so that the kids could have somewhere where they can go and spend time back in, in my neighborhood. I felt like that was that was special. We want to continue to add to that. Um, I just started working with uh, Players TV and Pro Class, 
I was able to, to create the dual threat system yeah. um, to show young quarterbacks, you know, how to become dual threats. Also, speed and agility training, building speed through that platform. Uh, it's going it's to be amazing. And just as of, of late, I uh, partnered up with a company, BCIC, Bad Credit is Childish. Yeah. You know, the name is a little, you know, it's, well, it's, no, a it's effective. But when you, the academy consists of, us teaching kids how to build their credit, mm-hmm. you know, coming out of high school, going into college or coming out of college, how important credit it really is because we take it for granted. Like, you know, we get our credit screwed up by family members growing up. Like the reality. The reality is there are so many kids who come in college and they don't understand. I remember yeah. going to college and having a checkbook and writing checks and they were bouncing. My mom was like, you need money inside of there. I was like, nobody taught me that. Yeah, like, like we start out at 18 with, with like, Two a cable bill and a and a, and a, and a phone bill. <laughs> you know, that's in our name, and for them to just kind of be, you know, on the lookout, had a wherewithal, know what's going on in your life, financial, financially, financial literacy is something that you can learn early. And I think the earlier you learn it, the better you'll be down the road. You know, all the mistakes I made, or things that I didn't do, or things that I know now that I didn't get taught, trying to teach the next generation. My kids got to grow up in this generation, so I. I want the best for all. I appreciate that. That's that is a word and a message. And and we should be culturally okay with talking about being ghetto and having ghetto experiences. And that's not a bad thing. This is how I was raised. I had a I had a phone in my name when I was five. So that had nothing to do with me. Now I know. <laughs> you know. That's what shape the world is, man. Like, yo, we we come out, we gotta grind our way out. We and we gotta educate ourselves along the way and for the most part, lean on people to help us. Which is why I believe your story is so incredible. And you still live in my humble Dr. Ruth opinion. That's a sex therapist. I'm sorry. Dr. Psychology opinion. (laughs) You still live in a way in which you are um, very apologetic. And I appreciate you for that. But you also have really accomplished a lot, Mike. And I think that you should, that should be more front and center, because the yeah. point of what we're doing is letting people know it's okay to come back from failure. I tell you this. Tell me. I'm proud of myself every day I wake up, though. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm proud of myself when I go on that set. I'm proud of myself when I get on that plane. I'm proud of myself when I get a chance to do an interview with somebody like you. Yeah. I wake up every day with setting more goals, you know, wanting more out of life. And I think that's the way it should be. Like, we... We're going to always be grinders. Quarterback taught me, you know, how to lead. Mm-hmm. And around me, I naturally try to lead you. And sometimes it can be overbearing. And some people can't handle it. Like, I got people who was in my life five years ago who who's not, you know, not, not I won't say they're not around, but we don't do business together because, you know, I, I, I have great leadership skills. Mm-hmm. You know, my daughter told me one time that life is not, you know, this, this is not a huddle. You know, life is not always, you know, we, daddy always trying to round everybody up. Yo, come into this circle and let's talk. <laughs> and let's get, let's put a game plan together. She's like, daddy, life is not a, life, life is not a huddle. It was, I thought it was funny, but it, to me, it is. You know, we're always teaching discipline, leadership, and, and, you know, wanting them to want the best for themselves. You look at the league now and you see your impact, you know, especially with a lot of young quarterbacks. Everyone's, you know, the you talked about Lamar. Is he the one that you believe is closest to you? Or was it Cam when Cam was out there being a dual threat? 
And then my follow-up question is, why are you teaching them? Does this? Uh, can you teach them not to get sacked? Can you teach them to not get hurt, to get down? You teach them how to slide? <laughs> you teaching them all that? <laughs> you, you know, I, I never was good at sliding. I never got the sliding part down. <laughs> when I look at guys like Lamar, you know, Lamar is the only person I kind of put in my space um, just because of how dynamic he is. And it's, it's been guys... You know, like Cam, who was elusive, and like Colin Kaepernick and, mm-hmm. and Russell Wilson, you know, who had some elusiveness to him. But, you know, it's, it's a different gear. And, and I think those guys, was, they were more controlled. Mm-hmm. Like, I like the controlled aggression that they had in terms of the game. Dak Prescott, I like I like that type of play. I wish I could have slowed down a little more and, and played that. Because sometimes when you play that fast, it's easy to just kind of – get out of whack and get erratic, you know, um, in terms of your play. Um, so, you know, I see that I, a lot of myself, uh, I see it in Lamar a little bit more, not a little bit more, but I see that in Lamar at times, but I think Lamar is in a controlled environment and got the offense that they can, you know, kind of keep him out of, out of harm's way. He's not running the West coast system. You're right, right, right. Like I had to run. So, and, and, but you know, guys like Russell and, and Cam in the league of their own, Kyler Murray, no, he he's almost there with me and Lamar. Almost. Cal is the closest to the video game that anybody's gonna ever see. Like me, I think he looked like he on match. You're right. Really. You're right. You're right. No, you're right with the way he looks. Yeah, this but the finesse, like the maybe just one more year. I'm like, okay, I, I agree. I don't, just some more reps for me. He is so good. Everybody we just talked about wasn't just to get your take on, which it was it was, but Lamar, Cam, Russell. Kyler, they 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 watched Mike Vick's tape, right? Mike Vick wasn't a villain or a criminal to them. They watched you. How does that make you feel as you look back on your legacy and what it will be? I'm just always thinking about because <clears throat> those guys I feel like came behind me and did it better. Cam played in the Super Bowl, Russ played in the Super Bowl and won one. Um, Kyle is definitely going at some point. Um, you know, you look at guys like RG three. Colin Kaepernick, he played in the in the Super Bowl. And Patrick Mahomes won one. Like, you know, it, it can be done, man. Like, it can be done. And I credit the coaches more so than anything for giving guys a chance to really blossom and not saying, okay, we're going to make our offenses this. And this is how we run it. We run scat protection, six-man protection. You will sit in the pocket and you, you know, you're going to go through four reads. They're switching up. They're throwing draws, quarterback counters in, quarterback sweeps, zone read, RPO. Yeah, but Mike, it works. It works because they saw you do it. And what you when you were allowed to do you, what happened, right? Yeah, if you go back and look at the 2006 Atlanta Falcons, rest in peace, Greg Knapp. Greg Knapp went out and found the RPO system, found the, the zone read. The run pass option came in to play when Chip Kelly came. That's when we introduced that. So I've been part of this whole movement, you know, with Chip and then Greg Knapp introducing it in 2006. And, and we gave teams spits and I ran 4,000 yards solely because of that. I I appreciate it. I'm sitting with an icon living. Icon living. And he, and, and he is as humble as he can be. Life is humbling, but I'm glad that you, you have been able to take your learning lesson and, and rebound. 
everybody can't say that. So I'm glad that you're proud of yourself. I'm proud of you. Thank you for just spending this time. And, 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 and I just thank you for what you've done for the culture. I appreciate you having me. So, wow. I, I have to say, I, I really enjoyed that interview with Michael Vick. Although I have worked in sports most of my professional career, I've never had the opportunity to sit and talk to him. And I do remember, and, I, and I, it holds true for me, I remember thinking as he was being vilified by the media and so many others, um, he's given a pound of flesh. And yes, he was wrong for being involved in dogfighting. Yes, that should be against the law. Yes, it is against the law. However, I know that the same league that punished him and didn't stand by him is the same league that allows people to play after they've been convicted of domestic violence. I don't think that it's fair that we acknowledge one and not the other. Michael Vick has paid his price. Um, He deserves the second chance, and I'm grateful he came on here to share his story. Michael Vick was um, able to give us some really, really good insights. And some of the takeaways that really hit me uh, is when he said, you can become a product of your environment, but it's better to make your environment a product of you. He talked about how he grew up and when he had all of this access, all of this money, all of this resource, he didn't know what to do with it because he was still hanging around the same people who didn't know any better. You can become a product of your environment, but you can also change it. And he's been able to do so now that he's learned better. The other takeaway was build genuine relationships and connections with people that can help you when you're dealing with very difficult times and situations. And he knows a lot about that. Uh, One story that really stood out for me and almost changed my perspective on Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the NFL, Roger Goodell said, I know about your past, but let's talk about your future, meaning we're going to put you back on the football field after he was released from federal prison. To me, that was grace. To me, Roger Goodell could see the humanity in Michael Vick. So remember, build genuine relationships and connections, and he apparently did that with the commissioner of the football league. Last but not least, life is not a huddle. You don't have to bring everyone in. Sometimes... You just have to lead. Wow. Some of us know people who can't do things differently, live differently. They can't be in different environments just simply because they can't. And so I appreciate him saying life is not a huddle. You don't have to bring everyone with you. That, to me, is the biggest downfall of a lot of celebrities, Uh, a lot of singers, a lot of athletes, entertainers, if you will, will try to bring their friends along to be a part of all of the great riches and all of the great experiences. And that can oftentimes lead to trouble. And he's speaking from his own experience. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this edition of The Brown Print. Michael Vick was very, very honest. Most importantly, I love Michael Vick 2.0. I love his humility. I love how honest he is. And I love that he really, truly wants to just be better. He deserves a second chance. Hope y'all enjoyed this edition of The Brown Print. So that's it for this week's episode of The Brown Print. Let's keep this conversation going online. That's where you can keep it a buck, as the kids say. Follow us on Instagram at The Brown Print Podcast or on Twitter at Brown Print Pod. Follow me, Carrie Champion, on IG and Twitter. Just at my name, Carrie Champion. And if you enjoyed this episode, which I'm sure you will, share it with your friends and family and help spread the word. We'd greatly appreciate it also if you showed us some love by leaving a five-star rating and a positive review. Only 
positive reviews, please. The Brown Print is a Gallery Media Group original production.